You're listening to the Puck Authority Podcast. Your go-to source for all things hockey. Welcome to episode 40 of the Puck Authority Podcast. It has certainly been a little while, but we are certainly pleased to be able to bring this back to you, especially right before the start of the NHL playoffs on the eve of the NHL playoffs, kicking off with the Boston Bruins and Washington Capitals set to drop the puck on Saturday night. And to join me to talk about the Canadian side of things, I have Joshua Kim here. Joshua Kim is a contributor to 49 Sports, the Puck Authority. Uh, his work is also at the Hockey Writers covering, I believe, the Winnipeg Jets, among other things. So that being said, Joshua, welcome into the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit and chat with me this evening. It is great to be back. Uh, took a bit of a hiatus, but it's great to be back and talking hockey still. Yeah, uh, always pleased to be able to work with you and to have you on today's show. Um, this is the first time you've been on since uh, we did our New Year's uh, podcast, or New Year's Eve podcast, rather, I should say. So really pleased to be able to bring this, and especially as we spring into the month, or rather, um, the time of year that is the spring, and more sp- specifically, playoff time. So let's get right into it, because another team in the Canadian division, while you cover the Winnipeg Jets, another team that you follow primarily, is the Toronto Maple Leafs, which you cover here for us at thepuckauthority.com. So um, Toronto, they're heading into a series against the Montreal Canadiens, which was kind of up in the air for a little bit as Montreal tried to push themselves into third place against Edmonton. They fell just short and now take on Toronto, which will start in Toronto at Scotiabank Arena. So um, maybe give me your primary thoughts as to what you expect uh, in this series to come out from both sides. Totally. Um... First things first, from a Toronto standpoint, I I don't think I've ever been as confident as I am now in their in them ending their drought. I mean, you hear it all the time here and uh, with the Toronto media constantly talking about it, and you know, all the trolls on Twitter are constantly talking about it and how the the drought has lived on for since two thousand four. This is this. I don't know if the Leafs could have could have an easier route to the conference final than the one they have now. I mean, look. You just take a look back at what they were able to accomplish this year. Yes, some may say the North Division is the worst one. Personally, for me, it's the second worst one. I think the uh, the West is is definitely brutal with all those California teams in there. Um, but that's, a, again, a topic for another time. But in general, <clears throat> it's you just have to look about what they've done. And and this one's different because you we got so much, a big sample size and, and a huge sample size, actually, of what you know the competition is going to be like. Yes, playoff hockey is its own animal. It's its own beast and, and something it's wildly different than the regular season. But when you are playing the teams that you've consistently played for what feels like forever over the course of the regular season, the, the atmosphere and kind of the energy level of the postseason might not be there compared to previous years. So in this case, that helps the Leafs a lot because they, again, they weren't in a division with the powerhouses, the Boston Bruins, the, the lightning, any are the Panthers this year they were amazing too and I think a lot of people forget that they're also in the Atlantic division so they weren't necessarily it I think it was a lot more evenly balanced amongst the divisions because I mean some of the best teams came from the Atlantic when everything was back normal uh looking at this year right now and you know what this this is an opportunity this is a real opportunity and, and it's not just the fans and the media who are saying you know you know this is an easy easy the easiest path I think we've ever seen but it's also the management and what they've been able to do. I mean, the, almost every offseason acquisition has paid off massively over the course of the year. Now, obviously, some players took a little longer than others to get there. Joe Thornton um, <clears throat> had a bit of an up and down swing. At, and so same with Wayne Simmons. But 
at the end of the day, I think I, I can confidently say the Leafs definitely got better as a team with all those offseason acquisitions. And like I said, the main point, again, the onus falls back on the players. This, this is an opportunity that I don't think we're going to see ever again because I, the NHL has already voiced plans that the Canadian division will not be returning, which is, well, both good and bad for various reasons if you're a hockey fan. But in general, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, once-in-a-career-time in opportunity for a lot of these players and for a team with a storied history and a recent history that's been you know, plagued with losing and heartbreak and all that stuff. I think this is finally the year where they, they take it as far as they can go. And you know what? The time is, is could not be better for this team right now. Beautifully said, Josh. The time is certainly now for this team, especially as they face Montreal Canadiens team that has certainly faced their uh, own set of challenges this year from the ups and down performance of Shea Weber. They've uh, lost Carey Price for significant periods at a time where initially I believe it was cited as an upper body injury that took him out. And they just said, or that actually, no, sorry, I'm going to revoke that same because I believe what they said was he, he was tired and it was fatigue um, that kind of just took him out. He needed time to just kind of recuperate. Uh, then later, there was some speculation that it was going to, that it was an upper body injury uh, more so that was holding him back. So um, there's that. And then Thomas Tatar was out with a lower body injury. And then, you know, you're just seeing a lot of ups and downs. Then there was the speculation surrounding Cole Caulfield. Was he going to come up? Was he not? Could he incite, you know, a little more excitement and enthusiasm around the organization? Now, he did just that after a really lackluster series against the Calgary Flames at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. He gave them a little bit of life, but it wasn't enough. And that's what kept them in third place because a series which then put them in position to return back to Montreal at the Bell Centre against Edmonton in their first of two games. And what should have been a win and in became a fall down uh, further from that position. And that is what put them in the spot to face Toronto. And now the question is raised, you know, again, there's the goaltenders, Jake Allen and Caden Primo. Is that good enough? Will we see Carey Price? Do we know if Carey Price is going to be back? Brendan Gallagher, a leader on and off the ice for the Montreal Canadiens, he's very missed. And they say that a lot of that confidence boost within the organization on the ice comes from Gallagher. So will we see these pieces back? Will they perform? Because Gallagher was out with a thumb injury that at first said they, that he might require surgery, and then said, no, no surgery. So question is, if he comes back, does he perform? Is it enough to carry the Montreal Canadiens uh, so they have some sense of leadership? Or is this going to be you know, more or less the same what, what, in what we've seen, I'd say, more so uh, the last month of the regular season? And with that, does that give leeway to for Toronto to win. Now, I follow the Montreal Canadiens heavily, and I say that Toronto has got her hand on the Canadiens, um, just given how the last month of their season has gone. Yes, they have young kids like Jake Allen and, and Cole Caulfield, um, but, you know, again, they're veterans even from the trade deadline perspective of Eric Gustafson and um, Eric Stahl. Sorry, I might have the first name of Gustafson wrong. It might be Philip. No, um, it's it's Eric. And also Eric. John Merrill is, is tossed in there too. Yeah, then you have to remember that John Merrill's in there too. Now, John Merrill, while, while you mentioned him, has actually been the most productive of the three. Eric Stahl, what we have to remember is that when he first came, he broke the overtime, uh, you know, kind of dead end streak for the Canadians uh, this season, scoring their first of the season. And it was his first game. That was super exciting and a great way to enter, but he hasn't done anything since. 
Gustafson records an assist every here and there, hasn't done much since. Merrill is a little more, um, you know, on the violent side. So when fights kind of pick up, he kind of find, finds himself within those. So uh, a lot of interesting notes, but overall, the point being, is it enough to give them an upper hand over the Toronto Maple Leafs? And right now I'm in a place personally where I do not believe so. The answer is no. And if any hockey fan tells you that the Montreal Canadiens are, you know, have a, should win this series, they're insane. Um, you know, I'm not going to go as far as saying, you know, what Craig Button said. Craig Button on a recent segment on TSN said he doesn't expect that Montreal wins a game. Now, I respect Craig a lot. I had him on my podcast. He was on this podcast as well. Um, I just don't agree with that take simply because I actually think Montreal is good enough to beat Toronto once out of, once out of you know, what is it, six times maybe? Um, so I see the series going five or six games, really. I, I just don't – everything you just said. Justin, everything you just said about the goaltending, about about the young young stars that that have you know potential but haven't really proved it yet, that's a lot of question marks for a team heading into the playoffs. And you know, Carey Price, you know, I love what this team did last year. They they upset the Penguins in the play-in. Nobody saw that coming because you know Montreal barely squeaked in. Arguably, didn't even deserve to be in because I think they were only like two or three points ahead of the Devils, and you know that was where the barrier was cut off. But I think, you know, I, I have to hand them credit for that because I really think that was impressive and, and that showed, you know, Nick Suzuki stepped up, just Barry Kakanyemi stepped up. Carey Price was, you know, Vezna-esque back then. To say that's going to repeat against an arguably better team in more dire circumstances, that's a bit of a stretch. I, I do think they deserve all the credit in the world and I think they got it from their fan base for sure and the rest of the league. But saying counting on them to repeat that, counting on them, counting on, like you said, counting on Brendan Gallagher to come back fully healthy and play up to speed because we know he's the heart and soul of that team. Counting on Carey Price to be 100% healthy. We know what happens with the goaltenders. Exhibit A with Freddie Anderson. They When they come back, they it really doesn't matter how much conditioning or off-ice practice you're getting into a game is, a, is something completely different. And as we've seen, especially this year, because it's, emphasis, it's been emphasized so much, that is an incredibly hard thing to do. Now, I'm not saying Carey Price is not capable of it, but to put that expectation on him is very unfair by the fan base. So counting all those things, those are just two things. This, like looking at the rosters, even on paper, it, it's not a fair matchup, really. Um, the one aspect where I think Montreal could take advantage of is, you know, they are playing with a lot less pressure. The Toronto, as we've said, is pretty much the epicenter of the hockey universe. And their recent history has been marred by losing and painful like particularly painful losses as well. So I think there's a certain pressure on the shoulders of the Maple Leafs players for sure. As a Leaf fan myself, can definitely feel it as well amongst the city. But at the same time, they like this is a perfect opportunity for them to rise to the occasion. And and for Montreal, this is a good measuring stick for them. This is like if they can repeat what they did last year, hell hats off to them. But I think we're going to learn a lot about this team. We learned a lot about this team in Mark Bergevin's ways over the course of the regular season, but as their season winds down and the games get even more important as we're starting next Thursday, the games are going to get even more important. I think that'll give us a really good measuring stick of where this team is at and what direction they're trending in and where they can go towards the future. So, you know what? Like the, the overall point here is that Toronto is above and beyond the favorites to win this series they should win they probably will i'm not going to jinx it just yet but 
I, I really think that, you know, just because all the, all the, the categories here, all the criteria favors the Leafs, there is no category really where Montreal ends up coming out on top here. And even during the regular season and the games that Toronto lost, I mean, they're not, they weren't playing their best, obviously, but I think, you know, a lot of the arguments that I've seen from Habs fans across social media is, is they don't really hold up in the long run, at least, you know, we don't know what Tyler Toffoli is going to be like. He was a, he would practically hit God mode in the regular season, but is that going to carry over to the playoffs in a new role? Maybe, maybe not. Josh Anderson vastly slowed down since the first half. I know he caught a bunch of eyes in the first half of the season. He really didn't do much in the next second half of the season. So who knows what he's going to be like in the playoffs. We, all these differences and all the things that we're talking about today make this series very, like very leaf heavy, really in, in almost every aspect of hockey. And, and I'm sure if you look at the advanced stats, we're not going to get into that uh, rabbit hole today because that would just take forever. But really it's, it's all about looking at previous matchups because that's, you know, the reality that we're faced with now. And it's all about looking at the rosters on paper, the impact that they've made this season. And, and Toronto has the upper hand in almost every category. They do. And when you look at their offensive leadership, which comes from the likes of uh, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, Austin Matthews, John Tavares, there is no doubt in my mind. And even as a Habs fan, you know, I almost can't hold back, but to say that Montreal does not have the fight and compete to beat lines that include players such as those uh, core four, if you will, of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And again, we look at the goaltending, like you said, Freddie Anderson has not been himself. He's been up and down between the Marlies and Leafs, just coming back uh, and hoping to be able to wrap up. Uh, I believe they have a game tonight, in which he'll try to uh, return for. And, you know, even with the Toronto Marlies, he hasn't really looked much like himself in the first half. And this is what happens when a veteran gets injured. And we've seen the same from Carey Price. Carey Price, the in, whatever's taken him out, whether it be an injury or if it is in fact just fatigue, the one thing I keep in mind is that he's had this nagging groin injury for several years now that has um, significantly impacted him at points of the season. And um, do I know if it's played any impact at all this season? Has it bothered him? I don't really know. But is that something to keep in mind? Yes. Again, the health of players like um, Gallagher, uh, will he be the, the same him when he returns, given that he didn't have surgery? Don't know. Tatar, I believe his injury is totally cleared up and he's good to go. But again, you have to look at the bigger picture. And I don't think that Montreal has what it takes. And then when you look at other players, such as Philip Deneau, who there's been a lot of questions around this season because he actually had a decent first half, then much like Anderson uh, kind of fell down the slope of not really doing very much uh, as an active contributor. And so, you know, if nothing's going to change, then Toronto's got this in the bag very easily, I think. Uh, and I think that, you know, even through the matchups that we've seen through Montreal and Toronto this year, which have had the high you know, energy compete levels, we're going to see that intensity taken to the next level as they go into the playoffs starting Thursday at Scotiabank Arena. Totally. And, and I think there's one important thing that we that we need to emphasize is that, you know, I think just from a, a general standpoint, there is there are just simply a lot of questions with this Montreal team. And you know what? I, I think Mark Bergevin has done his very best. I, I mean, I don't necessarily see him as you know, I think a lot of Habs fans are upset with him and, and all that stuff with these these wild trades and signings and all that stuff. But I think there are just too many questions facing this Habs team. And and I think, you know, the Leafs organization right now is in a much better spot because I think collectively they know what direction they are, they're heading in. And for Montreal, 
it's hard because when you're missing your your a your a plus goalie when you're missing the heart and soul of your team and brendan gallagher when you know a couple of your players here and there are, are banged up and o'shea weber was missing uh the last five five games or so with an injury that 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 is a a lot to to handle both physically and mentally for a team and you know i think you know dominic ducharme the head coach of the habs recently said that he expects the injured players to be back in the playoffs but like we just said there is really no no chance no way to tell what impact that's going to have on the on on the montreal canadians as a team it's it's one thing it's a great sign and it's one thing to get your players back in the lineup it's another for them to play at the level that they're capable of and you know they're heading into this series heavy heavy underdogs against the leaps and you know what i really think it's 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 basically on their star players, Shea Weber's coming back, Brandon Gallagher's coming back, Carey Price is coming back. It's basically on them to complement what the, the what their team has already done in their absence and really bring it against the Leafs. Because I'm thinking about this from a realistic perspective, trying to be as unbiased as possible, obviously. But there are really very few possibilities or game scenarios where I actually see Montreal dominating Toronto. Like there isn't. And like you just said, I don't see a lineup combination that Montreal can ice against to shut down the Leafs top, top uh, offensive unit. And we saw it over the, over this regular season, Austin Matthews dominated Mitch Marner dominated against Montreal. So uh, our Austin Matthews has dominated Montreal since he entered the league. I think that's uh, more than obvious so far that people keep referencing stats all the time on Twitter. I see them all the time, but regardless of that, I, I just don't see how weak, is enough to make any drastic changes to the organization in order to actually make substantial change that will produce substantial results. Well said. Um, and again, you know, based on what I've seen from this Montreal team, there were very few categories, like you said, where it looked like domination was being had against Toronto. And again, you have to look at this from a full picture perspective. The, the leadership has been there all season long from the coaches to the players having the chemistry and just absolutely going for it because they knew that this was their year given the COVID-19 challenges that have put them into a, an only Canadian division. And it's given them the chance to rise up and they've, you know, they performed like, absolute superstars this year, hence being number one in the Scotia North Division and, you know, the underdogs, like you said, the very heavy underdogs to beat the Montreal Canadiens. Because again, if you have that many questions facing an organization, I think before the puck even drops, that tells you all you need to know. So that being said, um, I'll leave you with this. What's your prediction for this series? How many games do you think Toronto takes it in? Um, You know what, just because... This might be a little like inflated. Just I'm I'm really basing this solely off of recent trends because the Leafs have been soaring as of late. I mean, the overtime lost Ottawa last night or two nights ago was was embarrassing because I mean that was kind of just a test game really because that was Freddie's first game back. Montreal has been kind of like here and there, so to speak, for a lack of a better term. They've they haven't been necessarily bad, but they haven't been riding a wave that would scream momentum heading into the playoffs. So because of that, and because of the way Jack Campbell has been able to rebound after losing two straight after, you know, setting that crazy record in, in Leafs franchise history, I'd say this is over in no less than six games. This is not, I don't think this is going seven. I think, I think based on, you know, the trend of this regular season, I think Montreal could steal a game or two. I'm not, I'm not dis discrediting their organization as a whole. I really think they have something good. Cole Caulfield has been a Leaf killer and he's not even played like 10 games in the league already, but you know, just from that aspect of things, the Leafs are just a lot more complete. Their defense is a lot better. Their goaltending 
Many would argue that is not better, but so far this year, it's been better. Their offense is leaps and bounds better. This should be a, a layup for the Leafs heading into the second round. It really should be. I mean, you know, anything other than a seven game series would probably be a, would considered a layup. I'm not sure, but just based on the Leafs game plan and the way they've been able to dismantle Montreal's defense, getting in on the four check aggressively, forcing a lot of turnovers at the Montreal blue line, all those little things accumulate to one big strategy. And that strategy is as has really been effective against the Canadians this year, both home and away. And Montreal's really never voiced a clear answer to that strategy to Sheldon Keefe's strategy and the way they've been able to exploit Montreal's defensive pairing. So from that aspect of things to simplify it a little bit here for the audience, this should be over in six or even five. I don't think it's a sweep. It's going to be five or six in my opinion. And when we talk about that crazy uh, shutout record that you mentioned, that is 11 games that Jack Kemble went without allowing a goal. He was incredible or sorry, uh, allowing a loss rather. Yeah. And that was incredible run and then okay you dropped two big deal after run like that. everyone was panicking after that i i remember that exactly everyone everyone was like oh boy this is the fall of jack campbell it was only magical and then he comes back and bounces back and goes like something crazy like 10 0 and 2 in his last in his next 12 it's ridiculous it's it's crazy to see and, and to see people who still don't have confidence or who don't give credit to jack campbell the work that he's put in to at least say the goaltending matchup is somewhat similar. Like I've seen people be like, oh, Carey Price is coming back. This is going to be, Montreal's going to have a chance. Even if Carey Price comes back 100% healthy, the way Jack Campbell is playing right now is a good enough contest to say the goaltending matchup is even. So I don't want to hear any of that saying like, you know, I, I Carey Price is a great goalie. He has been for a very long time. He is practically unbeatable. Any goalie is really practically unbeatable when he's on. So the way Jack Campbell is playing now and to have Carey Price come all the way back from injury and play at a competitive level, the, the elite level that we've seen, the Vezina-esque level that we've seen in years past, first of all, that's an unfair expectation. Number two, even if that does happen, the goaltending matchup is even at best. So I don't really know what the argument is there being made, but really that's a lot, like we said, the, the bottom line is that's a lot of questions facing an organization that's a lot of roster imbalance on paper and on the ice and you know the trends across the regular season have taught us the Leafs have the upper hand in this matchup and this should be the end of the drought this really should be and if anything less I'm not even going to talk about it because I don't want to see this city burn or do anything like that because we know it's going to get crazy especially as you mentioned the circumstances could not be better for this Leafs organization if they lose in the first round again somebody is getting fired I don't know if it's Kyle Dubas. I don't know if it's Sheldon Keefe. It's probably not going to be Keefe. It's, it's likely going to be Dubas more because I'm thinking now he signed a bunch of free agents. As we all know, he traded for a bunch of pending UFAs as well. Those contracts all expire at the end of the year. So maybe with that roster turnover leaving and going out the door, they bring in someone new because Kyle Dubas, I personally, not to stray off topic a little bit because we still have to get into the Jets Oilers series. But my personal opinion about that is, First of all, I do not want to see Kyle Dubas gone, even if they lose in the first round. He has done everything he can. This is on the players now. Like, trade deadline's passed. This is on the players. So I don't want to see him gone. He doesn't deserve to be fired. He's, he's been here for, what, like three or four years out taking over for Lou Lamarello. He's just beginning to clear out the cap, the cap situation that Lamarello left behind here in Toronto. So now... I obviously the leash is going to get shorter year after year, as long as no progress is made for it, but to fire him after a couple of seasons of, of first round exits is completely unfair. So I don't think he's going to get fired, but he might, he, he genuinely might. I hope he doesn't, but he might. 
he might and very well Mark Bergevin on the Montreal Canadiens side might get fired as well if Montreal drops this and again we are looking at the fact that Toronto is very likely going to win this series and that will very likely see the end of Bergevin's tenure and Bergevin has done absolutely everything in his power to make this the best team but at the end of the day like you said this is on the players it's not on the GMs and the you know sometimes a lot of people forget that because players can't be fired that that's really the whole thing because if players could be fired we'd be having an entirely different conversation right now. And, and that's, that's really the reality of the situation. Management and coaches are so expendable in this day and age. They always have been. And even though the onus is on the players, the coaches are the scapegoat. Management is the scapegoat all the time. The executives always take the heat for it. And yep. it's not, it's a job and it never has been, but in the NHL would, because again, like you said, you can't fire players you, and players sign contracts. You can't get rid of them. This is the way of, of, of the world when it comes to the national hockey league, this is the way it goes. It's not perfect. It's not, uh, you know, the player, the management and the players for that matter, uh, both feel that way, but this is a system that's been like this for too long now, and that's simply not going to change. So again, we are in a world where Bergen and or, and or Dubas could be uh, very easily um, fired and you know we could see uh, drastic transa- transitions uh, made within front, uh, one one or the other front office uh, within the coming month or two um, again based on the results that we are looking for so um, that being said um, I do want to touch on the fact since we are talking about uh, potential management changes I have heard that former believe Vincent Danfus is in line to be the next GM of the Montreal Canadiens depending on the situation again because it's not known that Bergevin will in fact get fired this is all speculation but um you know Bergevin has been talking with candidates for both uh, head coach and um other roles and whether uh, Jeff Molson and uh the family of his that own the Montreal Canadiens have been talking with replacements for Bergevin in the case that uh they have to fire him or feel the need to rather um you know this is going to be a very telling story of you know how the next era in Canadian's history goes um, that being said, you know, for the Trump beliefs, Sheldon Keefe has been terrific as a head coach. You Jack know- Adams candidate 100%. And I, I know coming from someone who writes and covers the Leafs and Jets, that's going to sound really biased. I know. I, I'm going to take heat on Twitter. I, I People have taken heat already on Twitter who have said that, but he deserves all the credit in the world. You know, taking over, thinking about how bad the Mike Babcock situation got and how quickly it went downhill. Sheldon Keefe deserves all the credit in the world. And he's been a world-class coach ever since entering the organization. Because remember, he led the AHL Toronto Marlies to the Calder Cup championship. I think a lot of people forget about that because he's not in the AHL anymore. But now that he's at the NHL, and I remember, I, I can't remember the record exactly, but I saw someone outline his pace over, like he's played, like because he recently coached his 100th game in, in Leafs history, or at least in his Leafs career, or his Leafs tenure. He's been amazing well over 500 he's been able to first of all he put Matthews and Marner together that was number one number one that was the most obvious move but he has been he's a player's coach they respect him and he's been 1000% the right fit here and you know what again kudos to Kyle Dubas for improving with it from within instead of going with an outside hire but that's just you know beside the point that's really it's really a feel-good story in that in that regard it is, and Sheldon Keefe comes in as a Calder Cup winner with the Toronto Marlies in 2018. And then the last season with the Toronto Marlies, they had a great season. So um, going from within was the only answer, and wow, was it ever the right move. So 
again, if this ends up costing Dewis his job, yes, it's going to suck. Um, and yes, it shouldn't. It, it definitely system. shouldn't, but it's I, I keep system, but that's what it is. It, yeah, it really is. And and I think, you know, there's going to be those irrational fans that are going to be calling for his head after, after if they lose in the first round, but let's just remember now the onus is on the players. If the management has put them in the right position to succeed. No hockey fan in general will tell you, tell me or you that Kyle Dubas did a bad job here in Toronto. So it, this is on the players and it's fully on the players. And I think everybody knows that over the course of the playoffs, no doubt. Right, because your executives put you in that position to succeed. If you can't, that doesn't speak to the management. They can't do anything about that. The only person they can control is themselves. So it's on the players, 110%. So with that, let's move on to the other Canadian series, and that is Winnipeg versus Edmonton. But before we do, a reminder that the Puck 30 podcast can be found on Spotify, uh, Apple Music, and wherever you find your podcasts. This is episode 40 with Joshua Kim, who is a writer for the uh, covering the Winnipeg Jets for the hockey writer, contributor to thepuck30.com, as well as 49sport.com. So that being said, let's get into the Jets and the Oilers. Now, uh, Montreal could have taken on the Oilers if they had overtaken uh, Winnipeg in spot three. They didn't. So now this finds this matchup. Your initial thoughts. I'm nervous. And and I'm not nervous for the Oilers. I'll tell you that much. As, as a Jets writer with the hockey writers, I followed the team closely. And even before writing about them, I still followed them to it to some degree because they're still a Canadian team. They're they're geographically close to Toronto. And I think, you know, their their players, I really like their players. And then the the direction of the organization has been really positive ever since they came back in the league. So that's always nice to see. And they've had some playoff success in the early going. Um, but I'm nervous. And, and I, I think there's a really obvious explanation as to why I'm nervous. I think Jets fans in general are nervous. I know my, my colleagues over at the Hockey Writers are, are a little, little concerned about the organization and the way they're positioning their position right now against the Oilers. Number one, they're the third seed. That was never the goal, and they were holding on to number two in the North for the longest time. Number two, they're facing... Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And I will step back and correct myself because at the beginning of the year, I said the Oilers would probably be the fourth seed because Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl has, have absolutely no support. That was partially correct because they don't have any support still, but the way they've been able to literally take over the league is, has just been unbelievably historic to watch Connor McDavid a hundred points. And like, he's basically averaging two, 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 two points a game. That those are like house league numbers, and <laughs> he's doing it in the best in the best league in the world. So, like that's an obvious reason to be concerned. And first of all, then another you know um, additional point to that is that the Jets' defensive core has been notoriously bad for a long time. Ever since Jacob Truba and Dustin Bufflin left, this defensive core has been subpar, to put it lightly. Number three, they have gone two eleven and zero in their last in the last two weeks, last three weeks, I, there are only a few records where that has, where like you could be playing at a worse capacity than that. But that is just embarrassing to everybody, to Jets fans, to the team and to the people that write about them. That is embarrassing. These guys were once primed to basically go stride for stride with the Leafs in the North division. And there were speculation at the beginning of the year or midway through the year that, you know, the Leafs might fall out of first place for a couple. And they did. Um, the Jets were right there to take them over and they played really well. 
But now when they slip to third, because again, credit where credit is due, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and Mike Smith, who again, I never thought that was going to come. That came out of left field. Because I remember when he was resigned, re-signed by the Oilers along with Koskinen, and everyone was like, oh boy, here come the goaltending problems again. But no, Mike Smith has been Vesna-like ever since he, he came back from the LTIR. But in general, going 2-11-0, but right before the playoffs is unbelievably bad. I, I there, like, there are a few words to describe how bad the Jets have been over the last two weeks, a couple weeks and a half. Um, I will get into their latest performance against Vancouver in a minute, but just from a broad standpoint, if you are a hockey fan and you don't follow the Jets and you look at their last 10 games or so, you're going to be like, this team is so done in the playoffs. And I think a lot of people are writing them off. They don't, this is another one. This is, I I'd argue this is similar to Montreal Toronto. And I never thought I would say that because I knew the Jets were a good team. And I, I said they were going to be a playoff team and one of the best in the North. And they were, for about three quarters of the year, and it, it has fallen off a cliff. Because when, again, to carry on my original point, when they slipped to third, they didn't even make it competitive with Edmonton. They, it was competitive for about a few days, and then they just fell off. So they could have easily gone right back into the second seed if they actually played well or better. They didn't. They didn't rise to the occasion. They didn't. They they lost to Montreal. They, lo- they kept losing to Ottawa, which was wild. But... It, it's really unfortunate the way that the, 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 especially the second half of their season has, has come around. And, and I know Toronto dominated them throughout the regular season and, and they, they were practically 500 against, you know, the handful of other opponents, but this is ridiculous. I I've never seen a team enter the playoffs and they're playing again tonight in about an hour at the time of recording here. I've never seen a team enter the postseason with limping. They're limping pretty much. This is, this is unbelievably bad. And they're starting on the road. So, and yeah, okay, tell me there's no fans. I, I know there's no fans, but but the, it's 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 just the odds. There are so many odds, and they're all stacked against them. They're facing two of the best players in the world. They're running into a red-hot goalie with an offense that has struggled mightily over the last two weeks. This is practically a disaster. If, if you said worst-case scenario, the, the only saving grace here is if, that they're not playing Toronto. That's the only saving grace right now that I'm looking at from an objective standpoint here in Jets country. This, this is that is the only saving grace. If they are playing Toronto, they're dead. It, now that they're playing Edmonton, okay, they have a bit of a chance, but Edmonton has still been really, really good. And I got to give credit where credit is due because I did not see that coming. So just from all that, even for, we're not even diving into specifics lately. The specifics are even uglier than the general term. I know I'm rambling here, but I want to, I want to bring this to, to your attention and our audience's attention because I saw this on social media. I'm like, this is going to be a disaster. So breaking down the season series against the Jets and Oilers, the Jets went 2-7-0 and against Connor McDavid and company. Point percentage, 0.222 compared to 7.75 for the Oilers, obviously. They were at a minus 12 goal differential. A minus 12 in nine games. That is insane. And their power play was 25% compared to Edmonton's 30. Their PK was slightly worse as well. Just from those stats alone, who in their right mind would say the Jets are in a prime position to move on to the second round? I'm sorry. I, I really liked this the way this team was playing three quarters way through. They always gave Toronto a run for their money. Connor Hellebuck was really good. 
Kyle Connor stepped up massively in Patrick Laine's absence. Blake Wheeler, while he was struggling defensively, still carried his weight. Mark Shifley was dynamic and a two-way presence every single night. All of that fell off the table. And I think I can attribute it back to where Nick Ehlers got hurt against the Leafs. And that kind of started this massive slide that they've been on. But it just feels like everyone has disappeared. It honestly does. It, it's, it boggles my mind to, to watch that because I watched pretty much every game because I, I, I cover them really and I want to see what they're up to. But it boggles my mind how far this team has fallen compared to how high they were, you know, just a few short months ago. So everything that I, I just broke down, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's honestly crazy. And, and honestly, this in normal circumstances, like in normal circumstances in this case, being if the Jets were, you know, the team that we always thought they were going to be, the dominant two-way team that, that packed a punch with three sets of lines that they could throw it at any time, this could be one of the most exciting matchups we've ever seen in, in, in at least Canadian hockey history because Edmonton has been a really good team. Winnipeg has also been a really good team. But now it just feels like an imbalance. It feels unfair. Like, put Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid dominates teams that are riding hot streaks. Winnipeg is at the other end of the spectrum, and they're about to face Connor McDavid, who's hasn't even stopped since he scored 100 points. This is this is disaster for Winnipeg, and I know they they've wanted to taste the, the long playoff run. They've had a couple play long playoff runs in in recent memory. Their trip to the Western Conference Final. And, and a loss to Vegas comes to mind. This is probably one of the worst case scenarios that Kevin Sheveldayoff has been able to find himself in. And honestly, I don't really see how this is going to be much of a contest. Now, there is an important here, an important takeaway here. They did play really well against the Canucks. Out, they're not even a playoff team. Let's ignore that for a second. But they did play really well against the Canucks in their last stretch at the beginning of the week. Do I think it's enough? No, not even close. But do I think it's a bit of a promising sign that they've kind of turned a corner? Sure. So at least that, because that's just a minor silver lining in the in the multitude of things, that, the problems that this organization is currently facing. But just from that general standpoint, this is this is a disaster. And for a team that was supposed to be trying in the right direction, this is this is a major step back. And they're already like. I'm not going to say the series is over because it's definitely not. I mean, yes, you can catch lightning in a bottle and, and surprise some people, but just look at the stats, man. Just look at the the record, the goal differential, the the goals per game. It's been atrocious, to say the least. Yeah, and you know what comes to my my mind as a Montreal Canadiens fan is I think that you know it's almost the same way because if Montreal had taken on Edmonton instead, they would have actually had an easier matchup. Why? Because Montreal has played Edmonton very well this season, whereas Toronto they have not. They're going into a a competition where they are facing some of the, the league's best players who play alongside one another and they have what not much of anything especially considering their injuries so this sounds very much like uh, the Toronto Montreal matchup in my mind but what's really intriguing again is that you know these are teams who are so you know ill prepared and one could say that you know this series is very easily over but then like you said uh lightning in a bottle you know things could change on a twist but yeah um, i i know i i said that but it the the possibility of that happening is very slim this is right. it it's crazy how much this team has fallen off and now they don't even look like a playoff team they don't even look like a playoff team right now they can't even beat a playoff team like a contender they won against Ottawa or calgary i can't remember which one it was whatever all the other other all the other games were losses like it started with the with the two back to back in in Winnipeg against Toronto, 
lose there. That started a streak. They beat Calgary here once and then lost again, and then they beat Vancouver. They can't even beat playoff teams. How do they expect to even compete in a, in a seven-game series? And I think another important stat that I think people should consider is that Edmonton is second in the league behind Colorado in regulation wins. That is insane. And honestly, overtime doesn't even like barely matters in the postseason. It's always what you do in the 60 minutes and then everything else is everything. The cards are off the table at, at, at that point. Edmonton is also one of only two other teams, Vegas and Colorado, I believe, that only have two over that have never been to a shootout. So they have every essence of their game plan comes in regulation. And if the odds weren't stacked against the Jets enough, they are now. Because as we all know, three on three disappears in the playoffs. It's still five on five. So they're practically playing regulation, which favors the Oilers heavily in a matchup like this. So anywhere you look, this is a disaster. This is genuinely, genuinely a, a, a tragedy unfolding before our eyes. I, I can't believe it. I, I, if, if you would have told me that the Jets would have gone on a streak where they only won two games in their last like 15, I would have laughed because this team is way too good for this and way too good to be in a situation like this, but they're, they're trending in the wrong direction and they're facing a red hot team with the best player in the world and a red hot goalie. What more could go wrong right now? Again, it sounds like the Toronto Montreal uh, matchup in my mind, because we're going to see two top teams probably take on two ill-fated teams and absolutely sweep them. And you know, tell me if anyone saw that coming because in my mind, I yeah. couldn't that coming for the. I'm for, not. I'm not counting the- on a sweep by the Oilers here. Again, I, I. I have to give credit to this is still an NHL team, a playoff bound NHL team that we're talking about. Like I said with Montreal, I think they're going to steal maybe one or two games here. Connor Hellebuck emerges out of nowhere again. He's been practically a shell of his former self this entire year. The the inconsistency because I think a lot of people that attributed Connor Hellebuck's success when he won the Vezina was because he could perform at a, an elite level almost every night. This year, it's a bit different. Um, he hasn't been elite consistently. And sometimes he's there. Some nights he's there. Sometimes he's not. We all know he's going to be the bona fide starter in the playoffs. Is he going to show up? Maybe. Is he going to outdo Mike Smith? Another big maybe. So I think Winnipeg can steal a, a couple games. Well, two at the most because they're not stealing three. I, I can almost guarantee that. But yeah, it's just, it's it's kind of mirror images here. You know, the, the halves aren't trending in as nearly as bad of a direction because they've been at least 500 over their, their last couple of weeks here. So, you know, respect to them for that, but really it's, it's not good. Like I've, I don't think, cause I, I didn't really analyze them, the matchups prior to this show. I'm, I'm kind of analyzing them here right now. I've like the top two seeds are, are heavy, heavy favorites for a variety of reasons. It's not just like, it's not just subjective things. This is factual evidence that, the Jets and Canadians are heavy underdogs heading into the playoffs. And, you know, I, I, I don't doubt that because like, you know, underdogs, there have been thousands of underdog stories by now, um, not even in hockey, just in general and in sports in general, but this is crazy from an analytical standpoint and an eye test standpoint. This is absolutely crazy. It is. And we're going to see that because again, the energy and the investment in intensity picks up in the postseason. But with that, we're going to see the stronger teams, outplay them again will those will Winnipeg and Montreal respectively at least get in a game or two with the win sure but uh, you know 
again, the cards are stacked against them, that, like you said, and that's simply that. And I have to also add on, like you said earlier, that what's interesting between Montreal and Winnipeg, both of them have played terribly against Ottawa this season. Ottawa, who was really frowned upon in terms of their performance, but they actually stacked up. They got a little bit stronger. They got more youthful, and they've been playing really strong. Their leadership of DJ Smith, former Maple Leaf assistant coach, hello, they woke up. So um, I think that also tells you, um, you know, that these two teams being uh, the teams that are most likely to fall out here, you know, the fact that they're both having similar struggles is um, eye-opening and, you know, we're going to see a lot of uh, craziness go on over the course of the postseason, which again, for the Canadian division kicks off on Thursday. So that being said, I'm going to get your prediction, but before I do that, Toronto and Winnipeg take on each other for the last time this regular season tonight. And um, this is a statement from Paul Maurice on this game. He said, this is going to sound terrible for hockey, a gentleman's agreement. I don't think that you're going to see any late hits. Both teams are getting ready. There will be a certain amount of respect on the ice. Now, Again, these are two teams who are at very different ends of the spectrum. We've got Toronto, who is at the top of the North Division, and you've got Winnipeg, who is in third, but, you know, a lackluster organization. So what are your expectations for this game tonight? And then, you know, how do you think that this prepares Winnipeg for the battle that they have to take on against the Oilers and then? Well, one for one thing, we're going to see, like you said, I, I don't think everyone's going full tilt. That's probably not going to happen. Um, but one thing I will say is that the from a Jets perspective, you cannot fix what the, what has been going wrong in one game. Heck, you can't even fix what's been going wrong for them in a week. That's going to be incredibly challenging. So for them to not to only have practically one extra game to prepare for Connor McDavid and whatever he's going to bring, because he's, again performed in the playoffs probably not to the extent in the regular season but he's still a, a playoff performer we all know that um it's it's going to be incredibly challenging and and i think it's again i'm not trying to speak from a coach's perspective here but if there's one piece of advice i can offer to the jets right now is to, to really this is the stretch where they have to play their game the two games against vancouver those were promising but it's only a feeble light at the end of the tunnel here it's really what they do against the leafs and then what they do in preparation for McDavid next Wednesday, because they kick off a day earlier than the Leafs at 8 p.m. at Rogers Place in Edmonton. For the Leafs, really, I think Sheldon Keefe is going to say the exact same thing as me. Do not get hurt. Do, don't get hurt. Don't risk it. Don't do anything crazy. Don't, no, just don't, uh, don't, don't do that. So it's, it, I think it's going to, they're going to play it really simple. This is a really simple mentality for both teams, but as in terms of like whether this game, first of all, this game doesn't matter because the playoffs are right around the corner, but for what, what it's worth, Winnipeg has a lot more to gain playing this game than the Leafs do. And I'll just leave it at that. All right. So that being said, give me your prediction for uh, the Winnipeg versus Oilers series, because I think uh, it's very easy to determine what you're thinking here, but um, that being said, give me a number. Yeah, totally. Um, First of all, the predictions about the the the, the least Jets game is it, I mean that's going to come out. This episode is going to come out after today, so we're going to see how that prediction uh, laid out or or played out rather. But in this series, just because like at least Montreal's not 
like slipping, and that's why I said Leafs in six or Leafs in five or something like that. This is Oilers in five, probably more likely than Oilers in six. This is Oilers in five or a sweep for sure. Like I just, everything I just said, I, I can't even wrap my head around the, the direction that this team is going in. And to give them less than a week, because it's actually six days, today's Friday at the time of recording and it's five days, rather that the, the series kicks off on Wednesday, not Thursday. To, to say that they're going to fix literally everything that has been going wrong in the past stretch against every team in the North, not just Edmonton, every that's every team in the North, on top of preparing for, preparing to defend, rather, the best player in the league, hands down. How do you do that? You can barely do one of those things in five days. You cannot do two. And that is, that's it. That's really the main lesson here because we all know Paul Maurice is going hit to the, hit the practice ice and they're going to try their hardest we all know this. this is obvious any team will do that to fix whatever issues they were plagued by in the last two weeks and to prep for Connor McDavid. Both of those things are near impossible to figure out in less than a week. And that's just because of how harsh this, this decline has been. So that's really the game plan here. That's, that's really it. And, and because of that, because I know 99% sure that they're not going to make all the adjustments necessary to beat the Oilers in a seven game series. I'm going Oilers in five. And that sounds very much like the Montreal Canadiens in terms of their uh, that series is going to be a little more competitive. I think, because I think, I think there's a lot more on the line in that series. And I think the rivalry is there. This is, this is ridiculous. Like why, why? Absolutely. But with that, I'll also mention that uh, just because I'm seeing it now from Renaud Lavoie TV asphalt in Montreal is that Philippe Deneau and Carey Price both skated today in Broussard. So for you Canadian fans out there, there's your update. They're both back on the ice and the next Canadians practice is scheduled for tomorrow before they head out here to Toronto uh, for next week's uh, playoff series starting at Scotiabank Arena. So uh, Josh, again, thank you very much for your time today. Very much appreciate your uh, knowledge and insight. And I will certainly be doing this again to break down the other side of the playoffs as things just get underway again, starting tomorrow night between the Bruins and Washington Capitals. Josh, where can you be found on social media? Yeah, um, guys, if you ever want to come debate controversial hockey takes with me or, or sports takes in general, um, my Twitter handle is at Josh Kim underscore. You can find me on Instagram at Josh Kim photo and at joshkimphoto.com for all of my work, including all my stuff here at thepuckauthority.com, all my stuff with the hockey writers, and everything that I do on the side, so digital content for the Ryerson Rams, and the Get Your Head in the Game podcast that I currently host and is in the middle of its second season. Justin, I appreciate you having me. I look forward to this becoming somewhat of a consistent rollout of episodes over the next stretch of time, especially over the playoff uh, implications here in uh, in this crazy season but this was a great episode and, and i look forward to it look out for the get get your head in the game podcast josh has some excellent guests upcoming so uh they're always intriguing conversations that look at the mental health side of the game so uh make sure that you're looking out for those he's had matthew shinetti on he's had craig button on and again has an excellent roster coming up so uh that does it for us on episode 40 of the pocket Authority podcast you can find content and podcast at Puck Authority one on Twitter. Find myself at Justin Levine HPS, and we'll be back ahead of the, uh, the start of the Canadian playoffs to give you the other side um, as the Stanley Cup finally gets underway after what has been a demanding and challenging COVID-19 pandemic season. From Joshua Kim, Justin Levine, this is episode 40. Wash your hands, stay safe, and we'll see you again soon. Justin Levine, signing off.